Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stronghold Podcast. It has been a uh, little while there, Jake, since we were able to put on a podcast. It has. Well, welcome. We're back in the house. Back, finally, finally both back in Singapore. You went on vacation. I did. Then I went on vacation. Yep. And uh, yeah, so sorry for the little bit of a hiatus there, but we're back. We got all kinds of cool stuff to talk about on the podcast today because it's been so long since we've, we've done a podcast. We're just coming off of the UFC, Adesanya versus Pereira. We'll definitely talk about that fight. I saw some crazy fights when I was in Phuket, Thailand for uh, John Nutt and Will Chope's Fight Circus, which I have some crazy videos of that I will share with you guys. We had Jake Paul knocking down Anderson Silva in the last little bit. Two championship changes in the UFC today. And I must be missing some stuff. Yeah, so much. What else, have we, what else have we missed in the last couple of weeks? What's it been? Was there three, one? Three weeks since we've done a podcast? I don't even think we've talked about Islam Makachev and, um, and Volkanovsky yet or no, Charles Oliveira. So we got a ton of stuff for you guys. Uh, we're happy to be back. Thank you all for listening. And thank you all for blowing up that video I did as well of uh, Islam Makachev finishing Charles Oliveira. That thing's got like 200,000 views right now. Subscribers shot way up. So this, if this is the first podcast that you've listened to uh, since checking out that video, I hope you guys enjoy it. It's usually just me and Jake talking a bunch of shit and getting smashed. But uh, Jake got too smashed at the Guns N' Roses concert last night. That is inaccurate. I <laughs> deliberately poisoned myself to get drunk, knowing well I'd throw up when I, knowing full well I'd throw up when I got home. So that was that was a brilliant plan on my part. Jake's got such a sensitive palate that he can't handle like four tigers without vomiting after <laughs> no, he goes back home. It's more embarrassing than that. I reckon two two tigers is my limit, and then I throw up. It's bizarre. <laughs> that's a crazy reaction. I understand tigers not exactly premium <laughs> quality beer, but that's a crazy reaction to have. There, there's something in it that I am allergic to, and I still. But I'm also maybe the functioning alcoholic. So if it's the only thing to drink, I'll drink it anyway. Then just be sick when I get home. Guilt-free drinking, well, zero, you just, zero calories. You just need classier booze, man. That's a yeah. secret. You need well, some that was cla- a, that's a problem, though, an arena. That's that. It's yeah, like Guns N' Roses, they're not exactly concerned with the, the sophistication of your palate. Actually, when I went back to buy those beers, they told me they were sold out, and I was like, what? <laughs> I almost had a panic attack. I'm like, you're sold out of beer at a Guns N' Roses concert after an hour? Yeah, but that's But then they not- had a secret stash, and they hooked uh, us up. Good, good. Pretty good show, all things considered. Just so in slash is uh, amazing. Still, oh, just just when you sat and you're watching something and it's live and you're like, oh yeah, oh okay, I'm I'm in the presence of greatness now. Yeah, and Axel better than I thought. Yes, he Axel pulled it good. off better than I thought. He looks like he's about a hundred, and he looks like uh, like a lesbian grandma. <laughs> He did about five. He did yeah. about five clothing changes during the song. Every time a big song would come on, he would come out in some weird ass new shirt. If there is a shining advert for sobriety, though, it's uh, Duff McKagan because he's he's the one who actually looks really good, and he's the only one who plays all the way through the concert. Looked healthy. They did three hours. Yeah, that's which, not bad. Was, which was pretty sweet. Nope. Oh, and I'm fucking obsessed with the God of War new game that just came out, God of War Ragnarok. So I've had a lot going on in the last couple of weeks because as soon as I came back the day that shit came out, and luckily I still had the day off, so I just downloaded it, boom, immediately, and I've been playing that nonstop any waking hour that I can. To, uh, to add to the excitement, I got attacked by bees yesterday. Mm. That was terrifying. I saw your bee stings on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, I was, I, was, uh, I was walking the dog and I finished the walk and then I thought, oh, I'll just walk the long way around the park near the trees, get into nature. No, I forgot nature's a savage beast that cares nothing for mankind. And I felt something like, oh, it must be a thorn in the tree. And then it had buzzing and felt pain all over my head and back and just like whip my shirt off over my head, ragging it all over. Take off running. Take off running. You have to. Lost my ear pods and everything. uh, 
it hurt. That's one of those things where you always think like, I wouldn't respond like, in a big way until you start oh, hearing no. that sound yeah. in your ear and then you're like, fuck, and you just yeah. bolt full immediately. On, full on, like running. <laughs> I think Kerry was looking through the park back to my house. Listen, none of your jujitsu or kickboxing yeah. is going to save you from a bee. Jujitsu does not work against bees. Speaking of jujitsu not working, which, which <laughs> oh, I, segway, which segway. I, by the way, I completely disagree with. Jujitsu is awesome; it's amazing. But what jujitsu does not work against is uh, more than one opponent. Uh, so, just to give a little background to the videos that I'm about to show you, I was just in uh, Phuket, Thailand. I went there originally. I went there because I was supposed to go and uh, corner Rob Deagle, who's been on the podcast. He actually came and trained with me today. He was supposed to be on the podcast, but he said some stuff came up and he had to go. So I was going to go there to corner him for the ADCC in Thailand. And then he ended up getting injured while uh, through the training, not at my gym, but he just got injured. And so uh, he, just, he thought he wasn't going to be able to go. So I was like, well, I already took the time off work. I'll just go for my birthday because my birthday is the 5th yeah. of November. And that's exactly the day of the tournament. So I was just go anyway. And then uh, so me and the wife and a friend ended up going. And Will Chope, who's been on this podcast, he fought Max Holloway in the UFC. He's one of the most versatile fighters in uh, all of MMA as I've over a hundred fights, kickboxing, Muay Thai. He did this crazy one for fight circus, which is what we're about to watch where he fought two people at once. And I thought, I thought this is going to be a really interesting little social experiment here because to actually think of like what it's like to fight two people at once, it really, really put how poorly jujitsu is able to manage more than one person one one-on-one unhand combat jujitsu fucks the world right like one-on-one yeah. unarmed combat jujitsu is without a question one of the most effective martial arts if, if, that there is if the other person doesn't know jujitsu you legitimately have a superpower is how how defective it is it's like playing with a child yeah wrestling is the same way Right, if you're a good wrestler and the other person doesn't know what's going on, they're going to be on their back in a minute. And I don't care if you, if you've never done a submission in your life, if you end up in a street fight and on top of somebody, you're going to be punching them in the head, and they're not going to be able to get you off of them. Right. So yep. wrestling, sambo, judo, jujitsu, one-on-one single combat, unarmed, it's super effective. However, <laughs> as we are about to see here in a second. When you deal with two people striking you at once, especially in a relatively confined space, staying on your feet is the paramount move. to success and to not getting your ass kicked. Because John Nutt, this crazy motherfucker who is the head of uh, his pr MMA promotion, I don't even know if I should call it an MMA promotion. So let me give you a, a layout of what I saw, okay, <laughs> when I went to Fight Circus. The first thing I saw was like, I don't, I don't want to know if I should say this word. Dwarfs? Midgets? Small people. Small people. Yeah. They were fighting. They were all dressed up like superheroes. <laughs> nice. Lined up on the stage. Bob Sapp was there, like, picking them up and throwing them around. And, like, yeah, Bob Sapp looks shredded, by the way. Bob Sapp is ripped. He's still on all that juice. Looked like he's about 300 pounds. So Bob Sapp was there. I saw an Indian leg wrestling match between two OnlyFans girls which was awful. It was just awful. It was a terrible, what, <laughs> terrible thing. I, I, I feel like I might regret this question. What is Indian leg wrestling? Why don't you pull it up, <laughs> Jake? Because I feel like that's the only way to really give it justice. Indian leg wrestling is that thing that, uh, where you both lay on your back and you like interlock into like a 50-50, right? So yeah. we're, we're like scissoring, but we're both on our back. And then we both like stretch our legs and you try to roll the person. So you're doing like a... Which one is it? No. Oh, no, no. I didn't record it. You just have to Google this. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't record the Indian leg wrestling. Because 
it was just kind of it was just weird. It didn't it didn't work right. You could tell they had this idea that it would be fun and hilarious to get OnlyFans girls doing this Indian leg wrestling thing. But uh, they didn't know what they were doing. They were not doing it right. They were like extending their legs in the wrong wrong direction. Yeah, this is it. See that? This is yes, exactly. I feel like that needs to go up on screen. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, so if you're uh, listening to this podcast, we're going to throw it up on the screen here in a second. It's on. That's it's on now? Okay, good. nice. Yeah, so you can see here, they both just interlock hamstrings. They're both laying flat on their back facing in opposite <laughs> directions. And then they both extend their legs and try to roll the other one. Okay. But you have to, like, push into the person in order to actually roll them. And the girls didn't know what they were doing. And they both yeah. just kept – their legs kept coming untangled. And it just ended up being lame. But uh, – so we saw that. Then I saw this transgender fighter called Nong Rose, who actually you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube with her. She's a uh, – she used to be a, a male Muay Thai fighter in Thailand and then became a lady boy. And for any of you PC cunts that say, I can't use the word lady boy, that is how dare you? In that is what they call themselves. Yes. I've had this conversation with people and had some woke idiot get annoyed <clears throat> with me for using the term lady boy. They're like, no, they're trans. That's offensive. And I'm like, fuck you. You have no idea what you're talking about. Lady boys have existed in Thailand longer than your woke ass stupid shit. And that's what they call themselves if you ask them. So that point aside, <laughs> so Nong Rose is a transgender female now uh, Muay Thai fighter, and she fought against a guy. I don't know if I have the video of that either. I might have a little bit of it. I think I only sent you the two-on-one yeah, fight. Yeah, I think we've only got that. Um, so yeah, Midge is fighting, Bob Sap throwing him around and being weird. Uh, OnlyFans girls, Indian leg wrestling, two-on-one uh, MMA fights. Oh, this is another great one that they had, right? So they're just doing crazy shit. Yep. It's literally called Fight Circus, okay? Yep. And that's exactly what it is. This is pure, lowbrow entertainment, okay? You're not going there to see world champions. You're going there to have a good time and see some crazy shit. As only you can in Phuket, right? <laughs> like Thailand. Yeah, God bless Thailand. And so, uh, and the other one, which was kind of genius, was they had this big, like, Wheel of Fortune wheel where you would spin and each... Uh, thing on the wheel was a different like combat martial arts like one was spinning attacks only right one of them was like three minute muay thai one of them was three minute mma one of them was just like kicks only one of them was like they had all these crazy things that they would do and uh between every round they would spin the wheel and it would change the rules of the fight (laughs) and the best one was spinning attacks only yeah, now, they, they can throw other strikes, but the spinning attacks are the only thing that scored, <laughs> which is better. It's better yeah, to yeah, do it yeah, that way because then they can set attacks. them up. Yeah. I mean, if, they, if all you can throw is spinning attacks, it's just going to get ridiculous, right? It's yeah, just going to yeah, be yeah. like – so anyway, this is John Nutt's show. If you haven't seen this, you should watch it. Will Chope is involved in it. Again, an alumni of the podcast. He's a, he was a referee. And what I have for the video here is John Nutt who also was the commentator for my last fight in, in Singapore. John Nutt did the commentary for that, and he does a lot of ring announcing and shit like that, but he still fights it. He's like, I don't know, in his 40s, he's got his gray hair, and he's wearing MMA gloves, if you're just listening to this, wearing MMA gloves and a suit. Yeah, he appears to be in a very nice suit there. Barefoot, though, so. And he's standing across from two, like, smaller, like, TIE fighters, right? And yeah. to be fair, you have to go two smaller people versus one big person. It's the only way you can yeah, have, like, a chance. But John, this is John Nutt's show, okay? So everybody was kind of like low-key whispering, like, okay, how's it actually going to go? John Nutt's like older, you know, he's not exactly like a pro fighter, and he's getting in there with these two, and they're, the, they're going to beat the shit out of the guy paying him, like all this kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you, as you are about to see, they were trying to kill each other. It is fucking entertaining. 
Okay. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe I'll release this as a clip. I'm sure John would love the free promotion. And it was so entertaining. I'm happy to share it. Um, so we're about to start this. This is John Nutt fighting two people in an MMA fight. Oh, we can commentate. It'd be fun. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. All right. Let's check this out. All right. So it starts off with a big push kick. He's just trying to keep both of them in front of him. Oh, and God. one Fix of them clicks. clinches. Oh, that, that's think, a very short clip. Oh, okay, um, I think more. the next ones are the, the better one. <laughs> Sorry, so the trick with this is, right, you have to keep both of them in front of you. Yeah. If anybody gets behind you, that's where everything bad's going to happen. Okay, this is two minutes, so we could kind of skip around in here. But there's a few. Anyway, we'll just watch this. So you can see John's trying to stick and move, right? Oh, look at that head kick. I mean, he just kneed him in the head. Now the guy's in on a single, and John Nutt is just swinging haymakers. He's, like, going over the ropes. Trying to double guillotine He's there. trying to double guillotine. double guillotine. Oh, now he's got problems. But now they're both on top of him, and now one of them's trying to take his back and mount him and choke him, and the other one's trying to hammer fist him, and then they, they stop right there. They Good. Stop, they stop right there. Because, look at John. He's wearing his tie. John <laughs> Nutt mean, is still wearing his tie. Obviously choking me that. So, okay. Now this gets me to my point of... Uh, the sort of martial arts nugget that I, that I took, took out of this. And we'll watch more of it. We're not done yet. <laughs> Which is that if you're in a street fight and two people are involved, don't, do, don't, not, don't pull guard. <laughs> do not go to the ground. Do not go to the ground. This is when you would have to know a little bit of striking or you have to be, uh, have pretty good cardio so you can run away. Yeah. Those are going to be your best options if you're dealing with an actual, uh, like a street fight situation with multiple foes. If you try to grab a hold of somebody, as soon as I commit my hands to you and I grab my hands to you, all the other person has to do is just go behind you because I'm locked up with you. Yeah. I'm facing this person. Yeah. Right? So I can't also defend my back unless you're able to... Do you, ever, you remember the video of the guy dressed up as like Spider-Man in Russia beating the shit out of two people dressed like Batman and Robin? Have you ever seen this video? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay. Please, Jake, if you would... Time don't don't mind my digression here. So some of you guys have probably seen this. It's like a meme video. I've seen it on Instagram a bunch of times. It's a guy dressed as Superman doing like a kickboxing fight against two guys. One's Batman, one's Robin. And when I watched this fight, first of all, it was hilarious. And second of all, I got a really interesting martial arts insight because this guy did a genius thing. What he did is when one of the guys uh, tried to grab a hold of him, he put him in a tie clinch. And he put him in a Muay Thai plum. And then he would like twist the plum as the guy and create a barrier between the guy that was trying to attack him. Right, so once he grabbed him, when the other guy tried to go around, he would just turn yeah, the guy and then boom, knee him. And then when the guy would try to spin around him, boom, he would, he would turn and knee him. Uh, Not no, I think you it. have to type in uh, Spider-Man versus Batman and Robin MMA or something like that. It's a pretty well-known, uh, hilarious internet video. Yeah, 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 this is it. This one? This is it. Uh, is there like a clip or something so we don't have to, we can't, I don't think we can show the whole thing. No, I'm totally not. Uh, oh, no, oh, Ozzy Man did a, did a video on it. Okay, just, just put it on for a second so we can take a look at it. So if you're listening to this, Spider-Man versus Batman and Robin, MMA, All right, and then we'll just show a little bit of it where, where he tries to clinch up with them. Let me find the clinch. I think it's at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see how he keep right here. This is it. See how he spins him right, and keeps him in, keeps him in front. Second. Okay. Now the viewers can see. Okay. So see how he grabs him and puts him in a clinch. See, he's trying to keep both guys in front exactly. of him, right? You can't yeah. let a guy flank you. So he's moving on the outside. He's kind of slapping him, sticking him, and moving him. This is how you have to fight two people. 
This is the only way. Now watch this. He clinches him. He turns with him. Boom. He keeps him in front. Boom. He keeps kneeing him. He keeps him between him. See that? Yeah. That is genius. Oh, okay. I think we probably, oh shit. I think we probably have to stop. <laughs> so so I'm spinning his axe. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so shout out to this dude. You guys can see the, click the channel, Jake. So that way anybody that sees this can uh, go watch his video or whatever. I don't want to steal anybody's it? shit. I just wanted to show like a five second thing so you could see my chiseled Adonis. Um, a lot of other people have shared it. I don't understand how I couldn't also commentate on it or whatever. Some of the YouTube rules are really weird. It's very strange. Yeah. Anyway, so my point was, that is how you have to fight two people. Actually, like, clinching up chest to chest, any sort of groundwork, that is going to be an, a disaster. Now, let's go to the end of the fight um, with John Nutt and the two guys. Was that not the end? I'm confused. No, you can, you can put, I think it's in the same video. This you one? just can go further. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, is he already out here? Okay, so go to the end of the last video. Okay. We only watched about 30 seconds of it. I believe it's that one. This one. Yeah, so let's check out the last minute of this. And uh, bear with me if you're just... Oh, he's out. Is he out there? Where is it? Sorry. Uh, oh, no, there's a six-minute one, I thought, or something like that. This is the end, though, surely. Oh, that, oh that's it? They did a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> he's, where, he's where he goes for the double guillotine. Oh, man, I thought I had a better one. Uh, is there no other ones? It's just those three, right? Yeah, just those three. Ah, oh, shit. I must not have got the good one from Charmaine. Um, anyway, fuck, I wish I had the better one. Because they, John Nutt, right, yeah. gets, gets up after that, after he just got his ass beat by these two dudes. And he gets up and he's like, oh, you know, that was a, a great fight, guys. Or someone is on the mic. And he says, but because of the situation that we're in, we have an immediate rematch clause. <laughs> and then John Nutt gets up again. <laughs> And the same thing happens, but the second one, dude, John Nutt is going berserker yeah. mode on these guys. Yep. He is swinging everything he has at these guys. They're on the ground. They're all going, and the guys are doing the same thing to him. That was the first one. I think the second one is uh, where it really gets crazy, but what a show. <laughs> How soon until, because it's Thailand and all that, uh, are they going to have someone fight a monkey? Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> want to fight a monkey. That's that No, not bad. a team. That'd murder you, but like... Maybe two spider monkeys with knives, sellotapes, and hands. That's, that's where they're going with this. I think that would just it. be, yeah, that'd be entertaining. I'd, I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're doing all kinds of crazy shit, fight circus. So if that's the thing you're into, if you're into freak show fights, and I know those guys, right? I know the guys that are like the purists that won't watch amateur MMA or whatever because they're like, oh, these fucking noobs or whatever. Listen, it's entertainment. That's, that was damn entertaining. Everybody's drunk. Everybody's high. It's Thailand. Weed's legal now. So everybody's smoking everywhere. The whole arena just smelled like weed. Yeah. It was insane. And everybody's high, everybody's drunk, everybody's watching this just... Freak show fights. Freak show fights. Uh, so, John Nutt, I'm a little bit of a weirdo, man. I approve of what you're doing. I love it. Bring it on, man. Keep it going. Keep up the crazy. The world needs more people like you. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Should we get to something that's... Uh, no, Not better, but we can all probably agree. Different. Slightly upper class. <laughs> slightly, more, slightly more classy. Yeah, let's go to the UFC today. We got we got to talk about the huge fight today. One of the biggest fight cards of the year. Where do you want to start? UFC 281. Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. And God damn it, everybody. Alex Pereira does it again. Three wins over Izzy. Jake, do me a favor. Look up Israel Adesanya's kickboxing record. His, uh, his kickboxing, if you, if you can. Because that would mean... I believe it's like... 70 and like eight or something like that. It's something crazy, right? So there's only a few men on the earth who've ever beaten Izzy at any point in his career. 
And Alex Pereira has got most of the wins over this guy. Probably half. Okay, almost half. No, no, that can't be right. I thought he had a better record than that. 23 and 11? That, is that right? I don't know. What is, Can you is click that, that, that what top one? That there looks you go. better. 80, one loss, 75 wins. And then what, some no contests or something? Yeah, it must have been. Okay, so this is what we're looking at Wikipedia here. I thought he had more. He definitely has more than that because Pereira beat him twice. Can you go? Yeah, yeah go, yeah, go down so to his kickboxing uh, record and let's see. Boxing, kickboxing. Go down. Keep going down. Keep going. That's his uh, MMA record. And then kickboxing should be below that. Yeah. Okay, so what's the record there if you just go? Yeah, he's still saying 75 wins. Five, five losses. losses 75, okay, so 75 so and five. Eight fights total. So that means that Alex Pereira has two of those losses. So three other people have beat him in kickboxing. And the only people that beat him in MMA are Jan Blachowicz and then Alex Pereira again. And this was such a crazy fight. And the moral of the story that I got from this fight, uh, Jake, was, two, was twofold. One, defense and defense that hurts your opponent is just so critical. This fight changed instantly when yeah, Pereira check. checked that low kick. And then Izzy fell down. And what happened there was like a little bit of a mental switch. Because Izzy had been comfortable the whole fight. He had a, a round, maybe he, you so could argue, second he round, lost second round. Because Pereira, Pereira got on top at yeah. the end there. He got that takedown. Got the takedown right at the end, and that's what won him. But, that, that but it was a close round. round. Yeah. Nobody really landed a ton, and then Pereira got the takedown, right? And so Izzy was up three to one. He knows he's got five minutes to retain. And everything is going good until it's not. And then Pereira checks that low kick, which hurt his foot bad. I don't know if it's foot or it's his shin. Yeah. But listen, if you're not checking kicks, like blocking kicks with your forearms is stupid. It's stupid. This is one thing the ties have right. Blocking kicks with your knees is the move because it hurts so bad. It's just, you can injure people with it. If you know how to block just right, I mean, look at Conor McGregor. Look at Chris Weidman. And all of the ones that don't break the leg that you don't see when you're just a regular person watching it, you probably don't even realize how much it sucks. It's a miserable it's miserable the worst thing when you do it and it happens in every fight and people just don't understand how much a check kick a deters you kicking in the future right because you get one or two checks it happened in the michael chandler poirier fight too poor uh, chandler threw a kick poirier uh, checked it and yeah, then you like, didn't nope, see chandler throw a kick again. again exactly and they even called it out in the commentary and so once that check uh, the the check happened all of a sudden izzy's drop he got dropped from the check he fell over right and as soon as that happened, all of a sudden, Izzy's in really heightened alert. He's starting to get to that, that, that fight-or-flight panic state. He's not in control anymore, Yeah. right? And then as soon as he gets up, Pereira's in his face now because he heard him with the low kick. He heard it at, with blocking the low kick. And then Izzy throws another kick. Pereira checks it again. This time, you don't see the same physical reaction from, from Izzy, but I know that shit hurt. It was a full-on check. I watched it in slow motion. And uh, so then... Again, Pereira's swarming him. And now Izzy's in slight... He's not, I'm not saying he's panicked. He's still there. He's still keeping it under but control. But he's not in control. He's not in control. Yeah. Exactly. And then he's shelled up against the fence. All of these punches come through. This big left hook cracks him. And you start to see him go. And then another like right hook hits him. And then he gets dropped. And then he comes up. And another uppercut lands. And then all of a sudden, he's looking down at the ground. And they, they step in and they stop the fight. But that is aggressive defense that just changed the flow of the fight, which we've seen many times with well-defended kicks. Yep. Right? So I thought that was the moral of the story. And then to go back on my jujitsu is shit thing that I said earlier, whatever I said, uh, I think, and this is an interesting little spin I, I thought, I mentioned it to you earlier, uh, 
What, how do you think the fight would have finished if when Izzy got his leg checked and he fell down and Pereira came in to try to finish him and Izzy tied him up on the ground? Do you think Izzy could have made it to the bell with yes. his defense? Because Pereira's ground game did not look impressive at all. Like if, all if, Izzy, had, Izzy had to do was survive the round. Yeah, all he had to do was hit the round out. So if you'd have followed him down to the ground, Izzy's good enough to tie him up and hold him there and not get damaged, I'd say. It's not, I'm not going to say Pereira couldn't finish him on the ground, with strikes, but it seems unlikely. Less likely than on the feet. Yes, the feet, and so you're can. hurt, and you jump back up into your feet, and now this kickboxing demon has you hurt and in front of you, and he's got two or three minutes to finish you, and he can empty the gas tank, and he can throw 100%, and you're a wounded animal Yeah. against a guy who's a terrifying kickboxer. Man, I think if Izzy had taken a book from a page out of the book of Charles Oliveira, and he kept his legs between him when he went down, and he just clinched him on the ground. Even if he gets mounted, gives up his back, gets mounted again, gets the half guard, gives up the side control, all he's got to do is survive. And if he just took away Pereira's space with clinching on the ground, grabbing a hold of him, instead of giving him the distance to put him back up against the cage and then set up his big left hook, which is what caused the problem. So this is an example of Izzy using his MMA skills where he could have used his jiu-jitsu to survive to win rather than like getting up and trying to survive on the feet. Why would you as a wounded animal get up and try to and give Pereira his A game when you're hurt? Yeah. Make him try to pass your guard. Keep your feet up. Make even if he kicks your legs and dives on top of you and or asks you to stand up, even if he walks back and lets you stand up, guess what? You've got space now. When the when Pereira will the referee will go step back a little bit. Right, and then Izzy can kind of get up, and now you have a whole octagon to work with. Instead, you get up, and now he's right in your fucking face. Right? I just, I think if he had just chose to try to engage Pereira on the ground, he'd still be a champ right now. I think his bigger mistake was not trying to get Pereira out of there in the third and fourth round. He realized, I think he, because his last few fights have gone five rounds. It's been a while since he's actually finished someone. Is it Paulo Costa? Was that his last finish? Yeah, something like that. He was before he fought Blachowicz. I know that. And I think he's, and he's so comfortable and he's so good at not getting hit and he's so good at just controlling the fight, pat, 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 come out, scoring, scoring, scoring. But it was a mistake against Pereira. He should have been trying to put him out. In you the mean third. Adesanya? It was a mistake. It was a mistake by Adesanya in the uh, fight right, yeah. to not try and get Pereira out of it right, in the right. third and fourth round when he was controlling the fight. He was just, I mean, he was controlling the fight, so he thought, oh, I'll point it through to the end again. But that's a big mistake when the guy you're going against knows he can knock you out on the feet and he's going into the last round and can just empty the tank on you. Yeah, that's true. It's a good thing about the, the conditioning in that because it seemed like Pereira was maybe taking that fourth round yeah, off took the a little bit. Off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all ifs and, and what ifs and, and everything. And, but all we can say now is that Pereira is the middleweight champion of the world in eight fights. That's got to be the quickest to... No, Brock is the quickest. I think Brock had five fights. Brock Lesnar, I think when he beat Randy Couture for the title, was like three or four and one. But he's close. Yeah. He's close to Brock Lesnar. And I mentioned it to you uh, uh, before we started the podcast. I think now you have to have Alex Pereira in the conversation of best combat sports athlete of all time. The man is a two-division glory kickboxing champion, and he won the UFC championship in eight fights. Yeah. Yeah, but against the arguably the most dominant middleweight of all time, him or Anderson Silva, it's one of those two. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think though, I don't think he holds the belt for very long. It, from what we saw of his wrestling in there, if he goes in against someone who's got 
good wrestling and good ground game, he's going to have a hard time. Well, I agree with you. He might not. He might not last forever because. He's definitely not looked like a like Adesanya all the way through his run looked untouchable. Yeah, even through like his most recent fights, the Jan Blachowicz fight notwithstanding. But you know that's a big guy. That he just Blahovic he just took him down. Screwy, though. He just took him down a couple times. He's huge. Yeah. It's whatever. Like we all can just see that for what it is, right? Yep. And accept it for what it is. But against Bruno Silva, Alex Pereira lost some of the striking. Adesanya was really piecing him up there a little bit. He was definitely more technical. He was out-voluming him. I mean, there were, I think that fourth round, Pereira threw like 15 punches. But you always worry as well that when a guy gets taken down and goes to the ground, his only solution is, I'm just going to power up. Yeah. Because that's what he was doing today. And that works against some people, but it doesn't work against good grapplers. Yeah, and I mean, Adesanya got on top of him, right? He's yeah. not exactly known as an yeah. amazing wrestler. But I mean... You know, you think of guys like Derek Brunson or even Rob, right, who could probably use distance control, really good footwork, and have a similar type thing, but he can mix in the, the wrestling as well. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do now. I mean, I think you got to give Izzy the rematch. Yeah. People long, are saying, long, oh, it's 3-0, but it, it's not MMA. No. And everybody knows that Asanya was winning that fight, and it's a bigger fight now that it's the rematch than it was the first time. And... Um, I don't really think anybody in that middleweight division has earned a title shot other than him because he beat everybody in that division recently. Yeah. Everybody in the top five, Adesanya has beaten recently. So I think, yeah, you got to do that rematch. He'll probably get it right away, and Izzy has another chance to right the wrong. But if Izzy loses to him again, then it's <laughs> going to be tough. Imagine if he loses in the same way again. He's winning four rounds and gets knocked, knocked out, out by the left hook uh, in the uh, fifth round. But there's, there's always someone who's – like. There's always someone who's got your number. It's like Holloway can't beat Volkanovski. Whitaker can't beat Adesanya. Maybe this is the guy Adesanya can't beat. Yeah, everybody's got their sort of kryptonite style-wise, yep. and it seems like Pereira is that for Adesanya, which is hilarious because first the first kickboxing fight, a lot of people thought Adesanya won, Pereira won. The second fight, Adesanya was definitely winning, and then he got knocked out. The third fight, he was definitely winning, and then he got knocked out. So it's like Pereira's just got that killer instinct oh but and he finds the right time to hurt you and when he hurts you he doesn't let you off the hook if, if Izzy comes back in though and he's actually like in his earlier career when he was knocking people out and stuff like that if he comes back in like that that'd be brilliant it would be interesting to see Izzy accept a firefight again yeah which may not be the best way to beat Alex Pereira but we all kind of long yeah. for the big exciting though I mean, don't you just miss the Kelvin Gastelum, Israel Adesanya, like yep. that version of him where he was just like, fuck this, we're going to war and you're not going to kill me. Like I'm, you know, that was how his legacy was initially built on. And then it's a lot of just kind of. But Champ Adesanya, you don't want to lose that belt. You don't want to lose yeah. that money. You don't want to take the big risk in a fight. Not when you're as good as him and you can outpoint people. Nor should you, but you only see like glimpses of that Adesanya these days. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit like GSP. It happened to GSP yep. too. Same thing. You know, so sometimes when you get that, that belt, you, you can't take high risks. And that's part of your job is mitigating the risks and trying to, you know, make sure that the highest percentage chance of you winning exists and that you, you manifest that, right? I, I understand why he does it, but now hopefully he's lost the belt. He's got to win the belt back. Let's go back to old school, is it? Yeah, that would be nice. Be that good. would be nice. Either way, what a story. And uh, I, I very much doubt that this uh, story has reached its final chapter. So I, I suspect we'll see them again probably in like less than six months. Yeah, he wasn't badly hurt. Nah, I think no. he's all right. So, all right, let's get to the co-main. Co-main event. I think everybody kind of saw this coming. Zhang Wei Li beats Carlos Esparza with a sweet-ass crucifix rear naked choke. 
Yeah, she tried it earlier in it as well and tried crucifixing her. Yeah, it's a it's a cool move. It's a cool look too. Like it looks, it's a it interesting. Dope. Yeah, it looks dope, right? <laughs> Major's really good at those. He's yeah. got he's got a really good crucifix. There's that Barrett Yoshida student, they all have great crucifixes. Those guys. Something you, you don't really see much in MMA, so it's pretty sweet to see that. And uh, yeah, I think we all knew Carla was going to be outmatched here. You know, I, we all kind of know, and I don't mean no disrespect to Carla. She's a two time champ, but that Rose Namajunas thing was just weird. Yeah, it was weird. Like. We all kind of know Rose is the better fighter. She just has mental collapses sometimes. I mean, she beat Zhang Weili twice. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, man. That division is weird now because what do you do? Rose and Zhang Weili again? Does Rose deserve that after that last fight? You just throw her right back in there? I mean, it was a split decision, and she's marketable in that division. But but she beat Zhang Weili twice, which is kind of weird how that kind of favors Zhang Weili in the matchup here. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, but so even though she beat her twice, Rose, you wouldn't Rose really just needs to take time off and work on that. Yeah, maybe leave Mental Pat Barry. Side. Maybe leave Pat Barry. Yeah, because seems like they got in, some toxic shit going his on. His advice in that fight when she was fighting him was awful. Do you yeah. remember it? He's like, "Oh, you're dominating, you're winning." Yeah, and I'm like, "What's she going? She's not throwing any punches. She's just dancing back and forward." Yeah, what's she winning? Yeah, and then it was which I, I'm okay with that for a couple rounds because you can. She's trying to draw Carla in right yeah. and control the range. I, I know what she's trying to do. But at that point, you're talking about in between the corners. That's like going into the fourth round or going yeah. into the third yeah, round yeah. or something like that. And Trevor Whitman's like, hey, we need to pick up the pace here. And Pat Barry's like, oh, you're doing no, this fine. beautiful. Don't worry about and it. it's like, no. no. You was, don't need what, to punch the other person. It was fine up to that point, but we got to kick up the gears here, man. Yep. Like, you, you can't be in our corner, dude. Yeah, you're, too close to the, you're too close to this. That was some terrible cornering. Yeah, you're not, you're not seeing the full picture here because you're emotionally connected to this. You need to separate yourself from... From her, at least in the corner, right? Says, says the man who corners his wife. Yeah, but if I if I could see myself doing that, I would step out. Yeah. I would have no issue stepping out, like zero. You know, and I'm not opposed to Pat Berry training her, but you shouldn't be in her corner, man. Don't be in her corner. And probably don't be in a relationship together because you, you seem a little rough. <laughs> did you see them fighting in Ariel Hawani's podcast? No, I did. Did you see them it. bickering? Oh, dude, it was so cringe. I think they're like... Pat Barry is the one being interviewed in the video, right? And, so, you know, they're just, Pat Barry's talking or whatever, and Rose is, like, in the background, and Helwani or someone in the interview said something, and then Rose kind of answered, and then Pat goes, like, oh, I thought it was my turn to talk. Is he interviewing me, or is he interviewing Rose? And it's just, like, bickering shit yeah. that we, all couples do, right? But nobody wants to watch, because <laughs> it's just fucking cringe. And after you see a little bit of that, you're just like, oh, dude, I don't know. You got to just make a hard business decision here. It doesn't mean you can't be together, but you shouldn't be in the corner. And you're certainly not her head coach. Yeah. Trevor Whitman is her head coach. And everything should defer to him. And if you're saying things that contradict him, you, you need to go. You need to get out of that corner. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you're creating weird chemistry here that's not helpful to Rose, who's the one in the fight, right, and the champion. Yeah, you want one voice telling you what to do. Or if you have got multiple voices, at least all telling you the same thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's the job of the head coach. Yeah. Um, so anyway, on to Zhang Weili. Yeah, she got it done. I don't know what they're going to do with her now. Two-time champ also. So we got Rose, a two-time champ. Zhang Weili, a two-time champ. Carla Esparza, a two-time champ. Interesting. That division is great. Um, I don't know what to say about Carla, though. She, that's a weird – that'll be one of the weirdest championship runs of, of all time because the first championship ended when she got butchered by Ioana after beating a young Rose Namajunas, and then her second one, she got crushed by Zhang Weili, and then that weird fight with Rose, and 
One of those ones for the history book that's just going to kind of be weird, I think. Yeah, so you know? well, kudos to her. She's a champ for the rest of her life. She, they never take that back from her. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from here. And then to the big one, man. This is the one I was most excited for. Yep, same. The Poirier-Michael Chandler fight. What a weird fight. In, in a good and a bad way. It was back and forth. Chandler was fish-hooking him. Did you see that shit? Yeah. It, it, they showed a close-up of it as well. And, he's, and then he, he was hammer-fisting like, him in yeah, the back yeah. of the head multiple times, clearly. Oh, and tried spiking him on his head as well. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Michael Chandler doing all this dirty shit. <laughs> but, I mean, some of those are really dirty. Like, <laughs> fish clear hammer-fist directly to the back of the head multiple times. Yeah. And I was at the bar watching it across from the gym, and I, I, so I couldn't hear the commentary very well. I don't know if they shouted it out or anything like that. I had it on mute for that one, so uh -huh. I, I don't know as well. Because some of it I didn't catch. Because I was half, I was doing like trying to sort my son out at the same time. So I'm like half watching that, half doing something else. But it was afterwards that Poirot was clearly unhappy at one point. Yeah, and so I don't know. That was a kind of a weird version of Michael Chandler. I thought he fought better. He was willing to wrestle when he needed to. He didn't get sucked into that constant slugfest like he did with Gaethje um, or Oliveira. And so it, it was good to see him using more of his well-rounded skills. But there was definitely some weird. Weird shit he was doing there. Did you see the picture of Poirier like breaking his nose? Yeah. And blood the, squirting the out of it. Super slow mo. It's Holy amazing. Holy shit. If you have not seen that, go watch that. Poirier lands a cross right on his nose and you just see blood spray out everywhere. And, uh, you know, Poirier got a dub, but Chandler looked good. It's, it's kind of like every Chandler fight. Yep. He looks really good in bursts, but then something happens. I don't, I don't know if it's a mental break. Gas tank. I think it's usually just technical issues. Yeah. He seems like a guy who, in the training room, is full-on athleticism, explosive. There's guys like that. There's guys, as trainers, I've seen them over the years. You see, generally, there's two kinds of archetype of students that I see. You see the unathletically gifted ones that are very good problem solvers and are very attention detailed. These are the Ryan Halls type people, right? These are the, the people that don't have incredible uh, – Alexio Linick, right? Yeah. Not super athletes, but what they do, they're so technical at that because they pay such an attention to details that they can go very far in their career with uh, not having the same premier level athleticism as, as some of these other guys. And then you see the freak athletes, the Yoel Romero's, the Michael Chandler's, these type of guys who just have insane athleticism – but that takes them really far. It can take them to the top of the sport. They can even become champions like that. But they just don't have the same technical skill as some of these other guys, and it's because they don't need to rely on it to win. Yeah, and when they match up with someone who's the same level of athleticism as them but technically better, they're like, oh, well, what's this? I've, I've never, not encountered this before. What's happening? Well, there's where I completely disagree with you. I think Michael Chandler is a much better athlete than Dustin Poirier. But Poirier In terms is... of pure athleticism, yeah. sprinting, jumping, fucking clean and press. He can do standing backflips. He's, he's like, you could put that guy in any sport, and I think he would do well. I don't know if that's true for Poirier. Poirier's definitely athletic. Like, make yeah. no mistake about it. He's a top-tier athlete. But Mike Chandler is he's a freak. freak athlete. He's a freak yeah. athlete, right? And you just never really see the same technical growth. Rarely. I won't say never. George St. Pierre, different example. He is a freak athlete, but supremely detail-oriented and technical. Gordon Ryan as well. It's Gordon Ryan, sport, freak yeah. athlete, extremely technical. So it doesn't. those are the real God-tier talents, right? The guys yeah. who have that, but still don't overly rely on it. In the training, they're working on 
bad positions and the technical ways to get out, not the explosive ways to get out, right? And so I think that's what happens with Chandler. That's why he gets finished sometimes, and uh, that's also why he can be super dynamic and have crazy fights. Um, so I'll never forgive him for what he did to Tony Ferguson's face. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true, man. But he's had he's had moments of brilliance, and uh, but Poirier was just too good. You yeah. know, Chandler hurt him a couple times. He he was doing good work in that second round. Poirier also some big mistakes. I, I just hate how he he does this thing that as a wrestling wrestler and an MMA coach drives me insane. He did it against Islam. He did it against Oliveira, where they go in for takedowns and he rap, he does a deep wrap of the hips. Right, so he's like, you're in on a double and I'm reaching over you. Yeah. But completely ignoring taking inside position, cross-facing or underhooking, or doing anything to actually create space. He's wrapping over, and he's trying to almost like gut wrench. And it's not even a gut wrench. It's just really bad technique. And it's just, his wrestling is... Yeah, he's pulling them in rather than... Creating frames Rather than space. creating frames and pushing them away. He's actually pulling them into him, making it harder to get them off, not easier. He needs to train his lightning reflex to as soon as people get inside, he's creating frames. He's underhooking. He's, he's, cross he's cross-facing. Like, his, his, his reactions on some of these takedowns are so... They're so jujitsu. They're so jujitsu. <laughs> but his defensive jujitsu is what won him... The fight at the end, that was a beautiful combination. I don't know if you saw it, saw oh, it yeah. again. Oh, yeah, oh, for sure. Beautiful conversation. Com you know who that's not going to work end. on? Islam Makachev. Yeah. <laughs> that is not going to work on. That's not going to make him a champion. There's no amount of jiu-jitsu Dustin Poirier can train between now and his fight with him, if it happens, that is going to make him have, be able to use his jiu-jitsu to stop Islam. Yeah. It's not going to happen. The only way that he can beat Islam is by using footwork, good frames, and defensive wrestling. No amount of guard... No amount of whatever is going to stop that dude. It's just not going to happen. And if you even indulge that game, you're going to get fucked. Look what happened. He tried to guillotine Khabib. It was a good shot. It was a good. It was probably the closest he's ever been to be. But guess what's going to happen with this on? The same fucking thing. He's going to get his head out. Now he's on top of you. He's going to arm triangle you. He's going to take your back. I'm just thinking of that fight because I want Dustin Poirier to be the undisputed champion. I love Islam. I love Khabib. But fuck, I love Dustin Poirier. He's from where I'm from, like nearby. Where I'm from. He's a Louisiana kid. He's a good old southern boy like me. And uh, I just love him. He's blood and he's guts and he's violent and he's nice and he's fucking cool dude. And I love the Islam and those guys too, but I just, whatever reason, I'm a Dustin Poirier fan and I just do not see a way in hell he beats no, Islam Makachev. No. So that's what I'm thinking of at, with this fight. Can you go to the lightweight rankings? Who's ahead of him? It's just uh, Oliveira now, right? Yeah, I think so. So that's the logical fight to make although Volkanovski's got the next one so I don't know if they make Poirier wait uh, or they try to squeeze in a fight Him and between McGregor. now and then I mean nah McGregor again I think Michael Chandler would be a better fight for Who's Conor McGregor? for Conor yeah yeah Tony Ferguson works. would be a better fight for Conor honestly if we're being real oh, that's, that's probably where I don't, I don't think McGregor back. wins a fight against Poirier let me be absolutely clear about what that what about Tony that's a better fight because he's been out, he broke his leg. He should get like a high yeah, name, low a, top ten type yeah. guy. Not a, not one of those world beaters that's in the top five. He's just going to get fucked up again, and then he's useless. Yeah. Like he, he's going to be useless in terms of promotion, championship promotion. Anybody, always a Conor McGregor fight will sell, but it won't. He won't be in the championship talk. And if you burn him too quickly now after a leg break, and after a knockout before that, and yeah, it's just not going to be a good usage of him. I don't think Tony would be good. 
I would watch, yeah, yeah Tony, uh, see, Tony See Tony and McNuggets go at it finally after the years and years of, of shit talk. Uh, all right, so the rankings are coming up for whatever reason. It's taken ages. Um, I'm pretty sure Oliveira is now number one and Poirier was number two. And he just got that fight. So they're going to do the Volkanovski-Islam fight in January or February? No. Feb. Feb. Yeah. So that fight's going to come up. Poirier's definitely going to wait, but that's not that long of a wait. Poirier can just wait like two months and then fight in the middle of next year with Islam. He needs to work on his wrestling, man, and his reactions because Islam's grappling is scary. And we all know how that went with Khabib. I'm not saying Islam and Khabib are the same, but they are of the same cloth at the very least. Why is the ranking so crap on the UFC? Yeah, you were just there to go to the lightweight. Yeah. Oh, up, up, up. No, but he's not giving it me for some Keep reason. going. One more. There it is. Uh, right there. Yeah, click that. So let's take a look at these top five in the division here. No, that's what I mean. It's not giving uh, me the... Whatever, Jake. Anyway, we don't need to spend any more time of it. I'm, I'm certain that Oliveira's number one. So Poirier's the, the only person in like the top five coming off a win, I think. Yeah. Or the top three, anyway. So uh, that fight makes sense, but let's talk about... Volkanovski and Islam Akhachev. We haven't talked about that. We didn't even get a chance to talk about we Islam did, we, Akhachev. We, between us being away, we didn't actually even see each other after the uh, Charles Oliveira Islam fight. Yeah, great. which was a crazy fight. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to my channel. Uh, I did a breakdown of it. Uh, thank you all for watching that video and, and blowing it up. It's now the biggest video on my channel. It's got like 200,000 views, which is amazing. Again, I filmed it in like really quick, just trying to get out some, some good content because I know that a lot of the Khabib, Team Khabib and Team Islam people follow my channel. So I always try to make sure I, I keep putting out good content for them. And uh, <coughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start with Islam, man. He just looks like an absolute world beater. Yeah. He does look like Khabib 2.0. He does. He just straight up looks like that. He looks like Khabib with better striking. Yeah, and Which I'm is not a saying, scary thought. Yeah, I'm not saying Khabib striking is bad. I'm just saying that his looks better to me. He's got, I believe, one of the best striking differentials or striking defense in the history of the UFC in terms of stripes absorbed per minute. Yeah. Some of the fewest ever in the history of the UFC. Granted, he did get caught and knocked out one time. That can happen. I'm not uh, discrediting that. This is somewhere where Khabib's legacy will always be slightly held in a different accord. Um, but Islam can quickly change the narrative because... Khabib, for the quality of his run, the only thing you can say against it is that he only defended the title twice. So, I mean, if, if uh, Islam can break a record defending that lightweight title, if he can do it for years, he can, without question, create a legacy that is completely his own and in alignment with, with Khabib. He, he is that good. I mean, he hurt Oliveira on the feet. It's just Oliveira was not anywhere in the fight. There was nothing he could do. There was no point where he yeah he didn't look in it like he didn't look like he was going to win it. His timing point. was off. Yeah. Islam's timing was perfect. He was doing the perfect amount of striking and grappling, and the just the the, the jujitsu and the wrestling and the submissions and the takedowns and the striking was just all beautiful. And now he's got the current pound for pound number one Volkanovski. Everybody, <laughs> including me and Jake. Are kind of writing Volkanovski out here, man. Is there a path to victory in your head for, for Volkanovski, Jake? So I've just pulled up his uh, record to see if there's anything on there that gives a bit of a clue about how he do it. I mean, the problem is there isn't a fighter like 
Islam to say, oh yeah, well last time we matched up against someone like that. But if you look through, I mean, Jesus Christ, look at who's beaten Holloway. Korean I believe his only there. loss, if I'm not mistaken, is at welterweight. I believe his loss. You check this for me, Jake. Go all the way down. Okay, keep scrolling. I think Volkanovski's only loss in his entire career was two divisions higher than where he's at right now. Can you go Corey to Nelson. the right? Uh, I can try it. Oh, come on. It must tell it, say what weight that is. Maybe if I hit that. Uh, welterweight. Boom. Okay, welterweight. Topology, you the yeah. man. So, look at that, dude. So, that means that he is he's pretty much undefeated, okay? This is two weight classes higher. Yeah. He's pretty much undefeated. Like, So, that's a weight class above, if you, in case you don't know, where even Islam is. And Volkanovski used to be a big boy. I think Have he can put on the weight. Of him, right? he's, he's just one of those yeah. dudes who's just square. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a dude who could carry that frame. Yep. Like, he's, he's not... He's not like some of these guys when you see him move up in weight class and you're just like, like Izzy. Yeah, Iz he Iz didn't look anything like Izzy's a Because Izzy's a medium-sized to lighter-sized middleweight relative to the UFC middleweights. I feel like Volkanovski could put on a, some, a frame on him, man. He just seems like a thick dude. Yeah. He seems like he'll be able to carry that weight. But even with that said, it's really tough for me to imagine a path to victory for Volkanovski. So the best wrestler of these four appears to be Chad Mendes, but that's old Chad Mendes, not Chad Mendes in his prime. I mean, he's beat the who's who in these divisions. Oh, he's beat so. everybody. There's a reason why he's pound yeah. for pound number one. Just Islam is just... Fuck, he's good. So fuck, Vol he's good. How does Volkanovski win then? I think here's where I could say that Volkanovski may have an advantage. Footwork, angles... It's a tough one, eh? And that's probably it. Yeah. It's not wrestling. It's not submissions. He's, we we he's, can rule that out. Yeah, he's probably the better striker of the two, but not by enough to be dominant. Yes. And he will have to mitigate those other areas of the game, like the clinching, the wrestling. And he has to do that and still score more, right? So here, here's the thing. Like with MMA, if you're fighting Khabib, you're fighting Islam, you're fighting some of these guys, they're, they're really competent strikers. But the in-between stuff meaning the clinches that they do in between the combinations, when they pin you up against the fence, the defending of the takedowns, all of that stuff. Here's what I will say 100% with the Team Khabib guys, Islam and Khabib. Nobody has ever beat them in the in-between, ever. Nobody has ever clinched better than them. Nobody has ever done anything except defend takedowns against them. That in-between stuff, people have periodically like outstruck them in spurts if that's all they did. But the in-between, the clinching, the tripping that they do, the, the submissions, when they get on top, nobody does that better than them, the in-between. If they stand outside in a kickboxing match, maybe, but they are not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, they're not going to do that. Then, so. And you have to win more in that area because Islam's going to pin you up against the fence. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. Is that. You've seen it in like past fights as well where then the other fighter's just in that miserable position. They don't they're just losing round after round after round. There's nothing they can do about it. And when they get start, the next round stood up facing them across the cage, they're in such a panic not to get taken down that they forget their own game and aren't doing anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's because they're, the, they're overwhelmed and insecure about what's happening, right? You get to the point where you get, you know, what, what is kind of known as like a defensive shell, right? You just get in the shell. Like you're trying but everything you do gets countered or everything you do, they're one step ahead of you. So 
the uh, your ability to commit to the strikes or the take you're just frozen up because any any action is punished right yeah this is fighting okay any mistake you make you're getting punished for so the people are like it's even the people who are talking shit about izzy in his fights or Pereira in this fight in the moments where he was losing they're like throw more throw more more volume more volume and it's like yeah that's fucking easier said than done okay it works great until the other guy's actually throwing back at you like oh no i'm not doing this i'll, I'll just shut up yeah because it's risky yeah and it's easy to say, just like, go out and do it. Just go out on your shield or whatever. Yeah. Say that when concussion is your possible outcome, right? When getting knocked out and staring up at the ceilings in front of Madison Square Garden in front of 20,000 people is your fate. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to say that. It's, it's very hard to do. And I don't know. So for this, for this uh, uh, Volkanovsky-Makachev fight, it's very just tough for me to imagine a scenario where Volk can win, which is not really fair. Because he's been so dominant. Yeah. He's so good. But everybody's he's so good. People what is he, a 3-1 to one underdog? Yeah. I think I saw the odds today. I think he's a 3-1 to one underdog That's against worth, Islam. It's worth a bet. If you're a Volkanovski fan, yeah. I mean, Volkanovski has had a legendary run. But these Team Khabib dudes, Islam and Khabib, they just seem like... Volkanovski's built different, but you're dealing with a weight disadvantage. Yeah. That, that's the number one thing. And a level of grappling that we've just never seen before in the sport. Islam Makachev tapped the greatest submission artist in the history of MMA in about one second when he squeezed his head. Okay? He put the squeeze on for one second after he passed, and the greatest submission artist in the history of MMA tapped in that quick. Yep. The fucking squeeze on these guys, right? Oh, my goodness. I mean, how do you deal with that? Whew. Well, Volkanovski's going to have to figure it out. Whew. I don't know. Something, oh, but I've written him off in fights before. Me too. That's all I'll say. And he's always proven and me he's wrong. he's always proven me wrong. So. You know who I've never written off in a fight? It's Sam <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I never thought he was going to lose so far. Khabib, the same way. The only person I ever thought would beat Khabib was maybe Tony Ferguson in his prime. Yeah. But I, wouldn't, I still would have picked Khabib. But... I thought I was willing to when they were supposed, give him the yeah, chance. When they were right. supposed to fight and then it fell to pieces because of the sunglasses and the cable, that was probably would have been the most dangerous fight Khabib ever had. Because Tony's run at that point was just incredible. Just incredible. Um, we've talked about that on this podcast. <laughs> Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, yeah. So anyway, man, Islam Makachev is just a dark presence over the MMA landscape at the moment and just a fucking scary scary talent and he's younger than Khabib he's been healthier than Khabib Khabib had years off where he was injured yeah you know and he seems like he's gearing up for a long run so what an amazing athlete if you uh, want to see my video you can go to check out my my channel and check out the breakdown I, I break down the whole fight uh, finish of the sequence and how he submitted him with the arm triangle and, and, and cool stuff like that. A lot of people in the comments who I, I tried to respond to you guys, a lot of people in the comments said that they, I guess they're new MMA fans, right? They said yeah. they didn't know what happened. Like they're just, they're seeing it and they're like, oh, that was crazy. What was that? So uh, hopefully that, that gave you some good stuff. And please guys, like, comment, and subscribe my, my shit if you like it. Um, all right. What's next? Uh, I didn't see these ones. Oh, well, I saw the... Ugh, I don't want to talk uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not talking about it. It's too depressing. Frankie Edgar, oh, Frankie Edgar and Gutierrez. Gutierrez, nice job, man, but please don't beat up any more old people. It's not fun. Yeah. Not fun to watch. Flying knee, man. 
straight up the middle. Frankie Edgar's weakness fun. are shots coming from down below, right up the middle. That's what Ortega knocked him out with the uppercut. Yep. And uh, a knee. And then who else knocked him out with the flying knee? Was it the Korean zombie? Yeah, maybe. There was one as well, the famous one, where he looked like he was absolutely dead on his feet and came back. Who was that against? Gray Maynard. Gray Maynard. Yeah, yeah, that was a similar shot, I think. That got Sorry, that I one. don't want to do this, but I can't no. not because Gutierrez did good work. Can you click Frankie Edgar? I just want to see if he got knocked out with another knee. Is that his second knee he's got knocked out with? Because it seems like, for, first of all, Frankie was getting tagged even up to that point. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you just do not have fast twitch at 41. At 41 as a bantamweight anymore. It doesn't, I don't care who you are. It just goes away. And because you don't need it to completely fall off the shelf. You just need to lose 1% of it. You have to lose 1%. If you lose 1% of your fast twitch speed when you're, dealing, fight, when you're fighting somebody in their 20s or their 30s and they're quick, no amount of technique and training is going to be able to overcome that. Because every punch they throw is a question of millimeters and seconds in timing. And even if you just lose, dude, if you lose probably two-tenths of a percent over strikes, hundreds of strikes thrown per round or a hundred strikes thrown per round, that just adds up in a way that involves you as a 40-year-old man waking up unconscious staring at the UFC lights. It's happened to so many. Uh, it's at the top, man. It's at the very top. It's one of his recent ones. Um, well, Chan Sun Jung, was that a that was punches? Is it? Uh, that was punches. Was that an uppercut? Corey oh, Sanhagen. Marlon Vera. Okay, front knee. Corey Sanhagen, flying knee. Right. Marlon Vera, front kick, right up the middle. Okay, here's my point. This is a weakness in Frankie Edgar's style because yeah, he, he's slower and everything, but he's got this bobbing and weaving, dipping and rolling, and dropping his head down below the center line to hit the body, and a lot of, involves. Uh, uh, linear as opposed to lateral, right? Yeah. Linear head changes. So he's going, he's going down and up instead of going laterally side to side. And there's advantages and disadvantages to both, right? If you go down it's an up and down, it's really nice against like uh, straight shots, right? Whereas more lateral stuff is good against hooking shots, yeah. right? Or is uh, weak against hooking shots yeah. rather. And if Frankie Edgar got knocked out with two flying knees, a front kick and an uppercut. They are all coming from the same direction. They're coming low, boom, right up the middle. Low, that. boom, right up the middle. So people have just, you're Frankie Edgar. You've had how many fights? People can figure it out. You got knocked out with an uppercut? Okay, you got knocked with a flying knee and a front kick? Guess what I'm drilling? Flying knees and uppercuts. So people figured him out, and he's old, and he's a fucking legend. legend. Yeah. And make no mistake about that, that will never change. That so guy think, is he... blood and guts. One of the greatest champions of all time. Did he officially retire at the He's end done. of the fight? Yeah, good. He's done. If he hasn't, then Dana White should just do him a favor and burn yep. his contract. Yeah. Because he's too much of a legend to go out like that. And uh, he's got to be done. This is four in a row, I think, for him. We can't have Frankie Edgar approach BJ Penn territory, everybody. Yeah, he depressed me just looking at his record. Tony Ferguson, Frankie Edgar. It seems like, Jake, every five years, we go through this cycle of legends just getting butchered by young up-and-comers. I really wish the UFC would stop doing this. Oh, Anderson Silva, Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn, Tony, Tony Ferguson. I mean, the list could just, it could definitely go Even on. Even Cerrone's on. been thrown to the a few times. Yep. I mean, it's just going to, it's going to keep happening because this is, Father Time is undefeated. Um, and it's probably going to happen to 80% of the champions that we are living yep. and watch right five, now. Five years from now, we'll be having the same conversation, different names. Yep.
Yep, and that's the nature of the beast. And uh, moving on, Dan Hooker looked good finally. It's been a while for Dan Hooker. Yeah, he's had a rough ride. Granted, he's he fought a. He's re- fought some top level opponents in that rough ride though. So fair. Enough. This is the first like downstep in competition a little bit for him. And weird fight. Yeah, I didn't see Place this one, but just, I heard it was wacky. He did like eight Eminari rolls. He just kept Eminari roll, and then Hooker would hit him with a body teep, and he would go down, and then he would get up, and then he'd Eminari roll. He almost had him with like a knee, knee bar heel hook a combo in the first round. He was pretty deep on it. Um, and so you could see he was trying to go to the well, but it was too much, and he had nothing for Hooker on the feet. But it's good to see Dan Hooker get a good win because he's a he seems like a top dude. Yeah. Seems like a fun guy, nice guy. Oh, what he sacrificed as well, just to be able to keep fighting when for there's COVID. all that mad shit and COVID and stuff like that. Which like, is partly responsible for his slope. Yeah. For his down slope. So it's good to see him get a win. He needed that. He needed that confidence boost. Um, that's pretty much the whole main card, right? Yeah, oh, that's the one, main... one more big one we're shouting out. Ryan Spann. Oh, so the, I didn't see the fight, but I saw the knockout. Dominic Reyes out brutally with a jab, man. Wow. With a jab. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, granted, Reyes was stepping in and he was like walking full on into the shot. But Ryan Spann, first of all, I'm not trying to throw any accusations out there, but this motherfucker's physique has changed a lot. He's got traps up to his ears. He used to be kind of like, like super athletic, but like a little skinny, but really yeah. strong and different kind of body type. And then you just look at him. Can you Google? Just check this out. See if anybody agrees with me. I'm not. Starting rumors. I'm not saying he's <laughs> on stuff. He could have just completely changed his strength and conditioning. But go to the Ryan Span today and take a look at his physique. And then look at his physique from like a few fights ago. Okay. Is that him in the ring today? Yeah. So still, cl- this is today, right? Now go back to like his, this is from today, right? Can you check and make sure? Let's see. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to find one from today. There must be one from the fight you just had. Yeah, okay, see there? There. That's him when he came into the UFC. Okay, if you can put is that on the screen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake. So this is him when he came into the UFC. Now, athletic, a little bit of weight, maybe he's in between camps, whatever. Now look at him from today. His physique has just is that today? Not sure. No, no, that's Anthony no. Smith. Um, <laughs> I can't really just see. Just go to screen. news or whatever. Because uh, it probably will show just a picture of him from the Dominic Reyes fight. Uh, just put first Dominic Reyes. Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's his traps. It's his traps that are like up to his ears. That's always a weird sign when you see the traps grow like that. Such a weird muscle to like train if you're. It's that one is sort of stood over. Go down a little bit. It's not great. Yeah, look at that one. In the, ah, it's not, there's not a great. We need like a weigh in. Anyway. You can see it a little bit here. You can click that one. This one? No, no, the one to the left. Oh. <laughs> We're going on a long tirade here just for a, a picture. Is I'm that sorry. Even showing it? Oh, that's annoying. Oh my god! All right, everybody. Right, I give in. Point is, if you if you agree, uh, go look it up for yourself because <laughs> we spent way too long trying to figure this out. Anyway, his physique looked totally different. His timing, man, is just incredible. Everything Dominic Reyes threw, Span was able to like move his head off the center line and, and counter him. This guy is legit he has crazy crazy power super fast twitch a suspiciously amazing looking physique now borderline suspicious i'm not going to say he's doing anything because i don't i don't know but he just has a crazy look great now um so i also want to shout out ryan span because he's now in the top eight top seven or top eight of the light heavyweight division 
that division is getting a little juicy with some young bloods, man. Jamal Hill, too. He's another young blood in that division who's looking really good. Um, all right. We covered all of the UFC today. We covered Fight Circus, we which did. is quite literally exactly that. We covered Volkanovski and Islam Akhachev. And is there anything else that we wanted to shout out today, Jake? Is there one coming up? Oh, right. I will be doing... So this could be interesting. I'll tease you guys a little bit. Um, I spoke with... Oh, Rit- there is. Lineker. Oh, right. No, no. That's the old one. That's October. Oh. That's past events. I can't so I was on. I was talking to Rainier De Ritter's PR team about like sponsorships and whatever. And I was like, "Well, it's not in Singapore." But I told them, "Can I get Rainier De Ritter on the podcast?" Rainier De Ritter is the two division current one championship champion. He's the champion at light heavyweight, and he's the champion at middleweight. And I'm going to the Philippines on December 3rd to do the judging there at one. And uh, I believe he's fighting on that card. And I spoke to his PR team about doing a podcast, and they're totally into it. It's going to be a little bit different because Jake won't be there, and it will be overseas, and I'll be busy. I, I can't 100% say that I'm going to be able to swing it, and it all depends on how the fight goes and so many things. But I might have a juicy podcast coming at you with one of the best talents outside of the UFC in the world, without question, the two-division champ, Rainier de Ritter. Um. So that'd be a pretty good card. Oh, this is the next one fight you have. Yeah, this is this is uh, it's a good one next week. Yeah, yeah, it's a banger. It's a banger. Christian Lee back again, fighting this time for the welterweight championship. (laughs) Christian Lee loves belts. He does, and I'm in for it. I'm down for it. He's he's fighting uh, Abasov, who's the current welterweight champion. Kimron, oh god, how dare I even try to pronounce that? Abasov, uh, the current champion at welterweight, a beast of a man. And this is going to be a big challenge big for Christian Lee. Lee. Go to Abasov, go to his record, and also Rotang and Joseph Lassiri fighting on the same card. That will be a good fight, especially because Joseph Lassiri lately has looked amazing. Uh, I can't pick him against, or I can't pick him over Rotang. I still think Rotang will win that fight, but Joseph Lassiri is a blood and guts fighter. If even if he doesn't win, he's going to bring the fight. So there's no way I can spell. That's okay. We check him out on Tapology. Um, to get a good look at this because the guy that Christian Lee's fighting is, is really, really good. I believe he beat, oh, what's the, oh, here we go. We got it. Oh, back up. Okay. So he lost, right. I lost to Derrida. He lost to Derrida. That's right. Cause you have to keep in mind that the welterweight division and one is the middleweight division normally. So he lost to Rainier DeRitter, the guy that I hope I'm going to have a podcast with. I'm, I'm really going to do my best to swing that for you guys. So he lost to Rainier. Um, but that was for the – can you go to the right? What, what belt was that for? That was for the middleweight strap, I think. Can you just click that plus? Because he's the current – Light heavyweight. Right, because he's the current welterweight champ. Yeah, which is because Which Lee, is what Christian's fighting up. for. Right. So the same thing happened there, right? Abasov is dealing with a much bigger man and Rainier DeRitter who's got really, really good overall skills. So he beat uh, Sebastian Kadistan. I think that's who he, he beat for the title, who was the previous champion. He beat Nakashima. He beat Yushin Okami. He beat uh, one of the guys that I used to hang out with in Malaysia, Aguilon. Really, really good. He did lose to Luis Santos, though. Where is he? I haven't seen him in ages. Is he still fighting in one? Not sure. Luis Santos? He fought Ben Askren back in the day. <laughs> back in the day when Ben Askren was good. And fighting in one. <laughs> yeah. So Christian Lee versus Abasov. This should be a really, really nice fight. Um, all right, we can go to the co-main event, which is going to be Rotang versus Joseph Lassiri in a flyweight Muay Thai World Championship fight. It'll be to the- a great fight. 
Joseph Lassiri, I will say, he had a slump when he first came to one. I believe he lost like three in a row. Yeah. And then he went on a crazy win streak all the way to get to the championship once he went to his proper weight class. And if you want to see a fucking banger of a fight, go watch Joseph Lassiri and Jonathan Haggerty. Amazing fight. Amazing fight. Haggerty, it was a close fight. Both guys really were active. Haggerty jumps up in the air and hits him with that that fucking Moy Baron downward elbow to the top of the skull and drops him. Yeah. One of the craziest elbow strikes I've ever seen. It was one of those on Bach elbows, right, where he jumps in and boom, spines him right on top of the head. And uh, really, really great fun fight to go watch that. And him and Rotang is going to be Yeah, that's going to be an amazing fight. Assuming Rotang keeps his shit together and makes weight. <laughs> He came in his maybe, last... Maybe he'll just not fancy it again. Be like, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering I'm, I'm going to weigh his... in at a different weight class and fight someone easier. Is that all right, boss? Here's the series advantage. Rotang is trying to switch to MMA. Rotang has missed weight a couple times. Seems like there's something going on with him. Yeah, something in the background. Some background stuff. Yep. It could be he's getting money now. It could be Thai managers who are notoriously corrupt. It could be he's training too much MMA. It could be he's making money now, so he's more focused on other stuff. This is something that's in the in the corner of Lasiri because I think Lasiri is taking it very Lassiri, seriously. Laser focus for this fight, and we can't say that Rosang is. Yes, because he missed weight a lot twice. Yeah, it's weird. You know, one's totally made a superstar of this guy, and is for him to just miss weight a couple times and pull out of fights is it's not a good look. Um, Bibiana Fernandez is back. He must be about forty years old too. <laughs> he's fighting Stephen Loman from the Philippines. Cosmo. Drops off a little bit after the first two. Cosmo Alexandre is back after he took Sage Northcutt's soul. Oh, God, yeah. That was... Juan Cervantes. I do not know him. And then we got oh, a pretty good fight between Kel- Kevin Bellingham and Ch- Kim J. Woom. That should be a really nice fight, too, at Bantamweight. Keep going down. Is there anything else? What's the... the oh, oh, Haggerty. Oh, Haggerty. oh, nice. Haggerty's fighting on the, main, the lead card against uh, Vladimir Kuzmin. Nice. Who else do we have here? Keep going down. Danielle Kelly, Liam Nolan. Okay, cool. Great card, right at the end of the week here. Next Saturday week. morning, for us, I think. Yes. 9 a.m. I don't know if I'm working it or not. They haven't told me. <laughs> Which, to be fair, they usually don't tell me until the week of the fight. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't, maybe we can do a live stream. Is that still on the table? Can we do that again? Yeah, of course. Okay, so we'll either, we can try to plan it, a live stream, or I'll be at the fights, and then we'll bring yeah, it down we'll, the uh, podcast break down the next after. day. Right? Exciting well, stuff. Where are we at? Jake, are we cooking here? Hour plus? What do we do? Yeah, something like that. Can't see it. All right, man. I think we can finish up here. I can't think yeah. of if there's anything else to talk about. It's been so long since we've done one. We didn't talk about Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Because he's boring. I don't know if we should. <laughs> we should just preserve the spirit of Anderson Silva and my memories of him when I was 16 and he was crushing everybody. Yeah, that's the way I want to remember him too. Although I will say, oh, what about Jake Paul and... Uh, What's the guy's name? The bald dude who is like super viral right now. Andy Tate? No, come on. Andrew Tate. Yes, yes, yes. Andrew Tate. Yes, thank you. He has, that man has the weirdest accent I've ever heard. He's the most weird guy. Yeah. I find him compelling too. I don't know why. Like, a lot of what he says is just bro shit, right? It's just like bro stuff. Yeah. And, you know, know, a lot of like scammy language and with his. With his fitness PC. groups and it's, Shady. but because he rails against PC culture, I also think that's hilarious. Yeah, right. And he was a good kickboxer. I, th- that fight would be more interesting to me. Andrew Tate and Jake Paul would be more interesting to me, and I think that's the fight they're looking at doing. Yeah, 
I don't know. I saw some mad headline today saying, oh, Jake Paul wants an MMA fight against Paddy Pimlet. I'm like, that is not going to happen because he will destroy you, mate. With grappling? Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Although, Jake's way bigger than Paddy. Well, not if Paddy's fat. Yeah, not not if Paddy takes some time off. Which Paddy's going to be fat, probably. Oh, my God. Talking about uh, fat people who become skinny overnight. Did you see Ricky Hatton in the shape he was in? Yeah. His rematch. Oh, my God. What is he on? And what commission is approving Where can I get some of that from? Yeah. I know he looked amazing. Yeah, even on the pad work. Yeah, is that little video of him doing pad work? Ricky Hatton coming back. What is he? 40, 44. 44? I think. Who's he fighting? Do you oh, remember? No. Can we can we pull it up real quick? Ricky Hatton. I'm, I'm scared to. I don't know if it's happened because I'm going to try and watch it later. Oh, we should more. definitely watch it. We should. Do, I'd watch, I'd love to watch Ricky Hatton, especially if he looks decent. 44 is still okay if it's the right matchup. If it's the right matchup, the worst part is when you get. Like a Frankie Edgar type situation, right? Where he's still fighting top guys. Ricky Hatton returns to the, oh, for exhibition with, uh, yeah, click that one, the Sky Sports. Bajeta, that, or Bajera, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Bajera. Okay, I don't want to know what happened though. So Can you go to, to that's, that Should we look? No. You don't want to know yet? No. Is it over? I think exhi- so, yeah. I think it was last night. It's exhibition though. I mean, it's not like a, on no, the permanent no, no, record. No. Look at him. Looks How's good. How's he doing that? Oh, he looked better in the other video, but yeah, still good for boxing legend Martino, Marco Antonio Bajera. See, that's this is something the UFC needs to do and get on if they want to make money. Like, like Hatton's come back and fought an exhibition legend fight. circuit exhibitions. Bank, UFC legend circuit exhibition fights. Oh, like forty-year-olds cannot fight anyone other than forty-year-olds. Yeah. Just make a forty-five-year-old league, like forty to forty-five. I'd even go down to like thirty-eight to save some people two years of getting shit sure. beat out of them. Something like that, right? And you know, you can make them exhibitions, or you could even, you could even just make them regular fights. Yeah, if they're fighting people their own age, own age, own le- own age, own level, you'd make a fortune, UFC. Yeah, it's like why is BJ Penn fighting Yair Rodriguez? <laughs> Why are we doing that? Yeah. What? Let him fight Frankie Edgar. Yes. Seems more fair. Why is Anderson Silva fighting Israel Adesanya? I mean, thankfully, he didn't get like yeah, knocked out badly in that fight. But it's just like you can utilize these guys. I guess they're keeping their business model of like, we are this. Yeah. And this is the top tier shit. There's no good fights. There's no easy fights. And to be fair, you know, you could be... You could be dealing with Errol Spence and, and Crawford. Or you could be dealing... Why are we fight, having Tyson Fury fight fucking... Dilly, is it Dillian White that he's fighting again? Yeah. Why? So, <laughs> I will take... I will take this any day. I will take Legends decapitated because ultimately they're agreeing to it. Then the shit show that is that boxing, boxing when we're not having Errol Spence fight Bud Crawford and we're not having Ryan Garcia fight Tank or anybody and we're not having Usyk fight Fury I'm just done with it and yet I'll watch all of the next ones yeah uh, that's boxing's business I hate, model hate I hate this boxing. but I guess I'll watch it <laughs> I'm really angry at your boxing but alright I'll watch your pay per view yeah alright man let's finish up here I think we're at a, a beautiful resting spot it's a beautiful so our finishing point is uh, whoever sorted Ricky Hatton out with whatever secret source they're giving him can he send some my way yeah yeah we're both getting to that age I just, yeah. turned, I just turned 34 everybody I hear that mid 30s is when it starts to go downhill and I can't attest oh, to that oh you could for four years 38 is when the wheels start falling off is that what it yeah, was for yeah, you yeah. yep 
Yeah, mid to late thirties, depending on you. I don't know. I've lived pretty hard. Mine, mine might go down earlier. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Jake, the producer. Thank you, bro. Thank you very much. Appreciate you and everything you do. And I'm sorry, everybody. I actually had a, a podcast with Major recorded last week. I did it when Jake was away. But I'm so bad at sound editing and sound equalizing and everything that I don't know if it's releasable. I'm going to see if Jake can save the day. I'm going to give him the audio and see if he can uh, make it. And if he does, I'll just release that podcast and put a different number on it or whatever. It's just Major and I talking after the Islam Charles fight. So I'll try to release that if I can. Otherwise, thank you all for subscribing if you're a first-time listener. I appreciate you, and I love you. You can follow me at Lucas Leisure on Instagram, Facebook, or, of course, on the channel. Thank you all for watching. This is the Stronghold Podcast.